Today we're going to continue our discourse on vampires. I wanted to mention another vampire from the early 70s, and I think he's a really important one, is Blackula. Blackula is... That's now we're talking about black exploitation, which yeah, is Yeah, he's like the disco king vampire. No, he's before disco. Let's <laughs> oh, not pretty, Yeah, let's okay, not Okay, well, yeah. I guess that's the second movie. No, soul music. <laughs> okay, soul. my disco bad. Is Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yorga is like Yorga is in the 70s, but I don't he, he doesn't seem like, oh, I'm all about the 70s. He's, he, it he, was more to the 60s. Yeah, he's just that's just where he is, but Blackula, it's like he's like really embracing like the, the 70s and everything. The I mean, early 70s. Yeah. I mean, he still wears... I don't know. It, you kind of just have to see the movie, I guess. But he still wears a cape and a suit and all that. So he's not, like, totally modernized. No, but he, no. He's still, like... I don't know. He just fits in more. He's, he's very much like Yorga. As a matter of fact, I would have included him with Yorga, except for the fact that he's a fighting vampire. I mean, we could even say he's somewhat of a crossover vampire because he, he has all the continental charm. He has all of the Lugosi stuff, except at the end of the movie, there's there are these fight scenes where he just, you know, kicks ass, you know? So yeah. obviously by then that rule, having been established by Hammer, was acceptable. People could say, oh yeah, well, he's he's a vampire. He has a strength of 10 men. Yeah, it was a so, rule, an established rule. Yeah, and... and and Blackula also has that same aspect that Yorga has where it takes place in L.A. So once again, Blackula is coming to you. Now, he's got a background story where he was an African prince and, and he met the real Dracula. Yeah, so, Dracula is in this. So yeah. he's like the he's, he's like the villain. Yeah, he's, he's like a, I mean, which he he probably would be. You right, know? Dracula and, was just, he, he, like, this is like the, the worst Dracula ever. I, I mean, he's just an asshole. I know, but you know so, what else is funny is like they give him like the classic look of the racist too. Like they don't give him like the classic Dracula look. They make him look like a, whatchamacallit, like a pre-Civil War, like Southern plantation owner yeah, and stuff. Yeah. He has that type of beard. <laughs> and everything, yeah. you know, and he's blonde. <laughs> Although it's supposed to be the 1700s, but yeah, no, he's, he's, and so he, he puts this curse, um, basically he turns Blackula into a vampire and then he locks him into a coffin and poor Blackula has to sit there for 200 years before someone lets him out. And uh, by then, of course, the real Dracula is long since, you know, dead and, or at least, you know, out of action. And in Blackula, Dracula literally existed. Like, he's the reason why is a vampire. Yeah. Another action-packed vampire came from a very, very successful TV show called Night Stalker. And in this uh, TV show, you had a journalist, right? Yeah. And he's, you know, and, and he stumbles across these murders and he puts it together and he realizes that really it's a vampire that's, you know, committing all of these murders. And the vampire in this in this TV show is very mysterious. Like they don't really get much into his background other than he's from Eastern Europe. And Kolshak, who's the, the journalist, if, if it's not for his research, you know, we wouldn't know anything about this guy. Uh, the, the way that the TV show is filmed and directed, it's purposely meant to have this vampire be just a shadowy figure, much like Nosferatu, where, you know, he just comes and goes and you, you barely even see him. And so from that standpoint, it's almost, you could almost say gothic. But then he he's a fighting vampire. So whenever yeah. he's confronted <laughs> by cops or he, there's this one scene where he breaks into a hospital or the blood bank or whatever, and he's stealing blood. <laughs> and all of these guys, like, 
he's like just doing it right in front of these people, and then he's like, "Hey, you oh can't yeah, do don't that. they all start shooting him and like yeah. that bullets go through him or whatever?" Yeah. Yeah, so so, he, that, so that's like phantom and action at the same time. That's what I'm saying. Like he <laughs> he, he kind of taps a little bit into the, you know, is he there? Is he not? But then it's merged with this guy has a strength of 20 men. I mean, he's like <laughs> throwing guys around like they're rag dolls. And and um, once again, if the Hammer Dracula Christopher Lee hadn't established that as a rule early, in, you know, in the 1950s, then I don't think people would have bought it. They would have said, wait, is can vampires do that? But see, that's the thing about, you know, the audience. You know, we're very susceptible and, and um, you know, moldable, you could say, you know, to whatever the movie. We, we sit there and we say, okay, well, if that's the rule, you know, you, you're telling us, okay, in this movie, the vampire can do that, you know. And, yeah. okay, so we accept it. And then, and then it becomes almost conventionalized, you know, in some sense. Because if... Like you said, your friend in college, if if that person's favorite vampire is the fighting one and they go see a vampire film and the vampire's not fighting, they're like, oh, well, what happened? There was no fight scene. Like the vampire never got to kick ass, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, so going back to the virus concept that you brought up a little while ago, I think that we can't talk about viruses and vampires um, without mentioning I Am Legend, which is a book by Richard Matheson. And I think three movies have been made now uh, based on the book. The first one was called Last Man on Earth with Vincent Price, which I feel is the most faithful to the book. And then there's the um, Omega Man. Yeah, Omega Man. <laughs> with Charlton Heston from 1970, I want to say, um, which is not very faithful to the book. And then there's the Will Smith one that came out a few years ago. I can't remember what year it was, but... Uh, also not very faithful to the book. So really the first one, and it's funny because that film was pretty low budget. Uh, I think it was part of it was made in Italy or Italian production or something. It was definitely a B movie that was meant to be shown in, in the drive-in, you know, that kind of thing. But it's actually a really good movie and Vincent Price, of course, is great in it. But getting back to the vampires. So like I said, the movie is based on a book called I Am Legend by Richard Matheson, and it was written in 1954. So this is sort of in between, uh, well, 10 years after House of Dracula, which was when the virus in the blood makes him a vampire concept was first introduced. Uh, so that just goes to show how ahead of its time House of Dracula was. Of course, 1954 is post-World War II, post-atom bomb. Uh, we're living in the atomic age now, you know, when this book was written. And so it's not surprising that there'd be a new take on vampires. You know, most people think of like the giant insects and everything like that, but you can extend it like to all types of monsters, all types of mutations, you know? Right. And the explanation in I Am Legend is eerily similar to the COVID virus because it's assumed that the virus was spread through a bat or something, and um, really? yeah, <laughs> it was like a bat virus uh, that wiped out the whole world and killed pretty much everyone. But then the people started rising from the dead as vampires, and the protagonist of the story is Robert Neville, and he's immune, and he posits that the reason why he's immune is because he was in Panama when he was in the service. And he was bitten by a bat, and he got infected. But 
it, you know, he, his body was able to fight off the infection, and so it gave him immunity. And so um, that's why he's the last man on Earth. So in Last Man on Earth, do the vampire zombies, do they eat people's bodies or do they just drink their blood? Well, it's assumed that they just drink blood. I mean, first of all, they're not called zombies. They're not even called zombies in Romero's film. They're called ghouls. Oh, yeah, that's uh, right. But, and in Last Man on Earth, also that they're all referenced as vampires. Mm. You know, they're vampires and... Vincent Price in the movie goes around staking them. He, he, in the daytime, <laughs> he sharpens these stakes and he goes around and uh, he finds where they're sleeping and he, he destroys them. Um, the same thing in the book. So they're definitely vampires. Oh, wait, can they go? They can't go out in the sun. Right? They can't go out in the sun. Okay. Yeah. So I feel like those are the two main things. Like if you can't go out in the sun and if you drink blood, that's like the two main, like, vampire things because zombies those two things don't apply to zombies no they don't they don't and zombies don't even need to eat flesh to stay alive they just do it because it's instinctive yeah well it depends on what which zombie but uh, yeah i guess i've never seen something where the zombies are gonna like starve no no it's always explained i think that's a rule like that's a universal not universal monsters but a like a literal like universal ubiquitous rule (laughs) in zombie films that they don't eat for nourishment. Yeah. You know, they're not digesting anything. It, it's kind of a goofy, you know, thing when you think about it. <laughs> well, I mean, it. if they're dead, you know. Yeah. So they, they just eat because they're compelled to, to eat uh-huh. flesh. But vampires actually need blood to survive. And that's not, I don't think that's ever really definitively spelled out in Matheson's book that the vampires actually need the blood to survive. Mm-hmm. They definitely act more like what we think is zombies. You know, like they just shuffle around. They shuffle and they're around, like, yeah, but, <laughs> but they can talk, and they, they seem to have a little bit of you know consciousness. They're a little bit aware of who they are, and it's funny because in the book, the vampires have all of the rules that Stoker lays out in his book, and Robert Neville is reading Bram Stoker's Dracula. So that novel exists in the world of Robert Neville. Yeah, and that would be weird how the book like predicted how to get rid of these vampires. It does. <laughs> it does. He uses it as, as like uh, you know killing killing vampires for for dummies. Oh, does that of. mean you can get rid of them by garlic and stuff? Yeah, yeah. So they're afraid of garlic. They don't like garlic. So he's, he puts garlic all over the door. Huh. Um, he puts mirrors because in this story, it's not that they don't cast reflection. It's that. They can't look at themselves. Oh, they're like ashamed. <laughs> yeah. And they also don't, they're also, they seem to be afraid of crosses. Hmm. But he explains in the book that it's not so much that they're afraid of crosses. The mirror and the crosses, and and then he did an experiment where he showed the Star of David to someone who he knew had been Jewish when they were alive and it had the same effect. Yeah, it has to be whatever your faith is. Yeah. And so he concludes that. They, they don't like mirrors because it reminds them that they're dead mm. and it reminds them of who they were. And if they were deeply religious, they don't like to see the religious symbol because it reminds them that, I guess, their religion let them down or uh. something. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> or maybe maybe it's just like further shame or something. No, it's more of a religious thing. It's, it's, oh, uh, that would yeah. they, that's what he says in yeah, the book? Yeah, and, and if you're an atheist, then <laughs> no symbol, would, there'd be no symbol that would have an effect on you. So it's pretty consistent with that. Mm. Uh, yeah, a lot of, he, Matheson tries to explain or explain away Almost every single rule that Stoker presents in his book, 
which I think is pretty clever. And he does it in a very scientific way. Yeah, it's more a sci-fi book. Yeah, and the vampires are nothing more than people who have been infected. And um, and that's, you know, and as we know, as monster fans, we know that the movie I Am Legend was really the film that influenced uh, Romero, George Romero, when he was making his Night of the Living Dead. And he thought that no one would ever remember The Last Man on Earth. So he thought that if he ripped it off, you know, or, or you know, sort of, stole some of the main themes from it, then no one would ever really put it together because he just figured neither one of those films is ever really going to, you know, do anything. And little did he know that both of those films now have become cult classics. And, yeah. And well, the whole world... Cult. <laughs> yeah, the whole world knows these films now. Yeah. And so before he died, you know, he gave these interviews and he, and he, at some point he just sort of confessed and he said, yeah, well, I kind of ripped off Matheson, you know. He's, <laughs> it's okay, everybody rips off. Yeah. Now, to, to Romero's credit, I mean, he changed it enough to where... He did create like a whole new mythology. Yeah. He created the dystopian mythology that includes zombies. And it's of all the monster movies and TV shows right now, it is the most popular one. And that's single-handedly Romero. We could give some credit to Matheson, but Matheson said in his book, I mean, in his interviews, he said that, you know, he didn't want to do anything other than just write a simple little vampire story. And he didn't understand why people were making such a big fuss and trying to analyze it and deconstruct it and see things in it that weren't there. So, you know, one of the things that, or, or main topics of discussion about Matheson's book was the social classes. Once again, we're back to social classes and the political metaphors that he's putting in the book where the vampires have been interpreted by scholars as more or less the, the masses, but like a socialist masses you know, sort of like a, a communist state kind of thing. <laughs> then there's these other vampires, which, you know, spoiler alert, but there are people who, when they were infected, but before they died, were able to get a, um, a vaccine of some sort that doesn't cure them, but it prevents them from dying. Oh, so, so, they're... so they're in the middle. They have to live with the infection, but as long as they have this medicine and they keep on improving it, that they're just learning how to live now with this condition. And so Robert Neville is literally the last man left. Like he's the mm -hmm. last of what we used to be. And he's feared by the middle group. He's feared more than, than they're, like he's, they're more afraid of him than they are of the vampires. Oh yeah, because he, he'll kill them like by mistake. Or yeah, whatever. And he's <laughs> killed many of them by mistake <laughs> yeah. to his own horror. He didn't even know it. He just thought that it was just himself and these vampires. He didn't know that there was this whole other group that he was mistaking for vampires and they were actually alive and he was killing them. So that group has been interpreted either as a a metaphor for fascism, fascism. or yeah, or in some people, there, these arguments have gone different directions. But some people see them as the communists and the socialists, and Robert Neville as the fascist. So he's mm. like the last surviving fascist, and then he's trying to preserve the capitalism and fascism <laughs> and the private sector. Well, yeah. What does that say if you have two groups where like one group is basically like a bunch of like monsters, and then the other group like are trying to prevent themselves from slipping into monsterhood. Like, yeah, what is that supposed to say? 
I mean, I guess Matheson said it didn't mean anything, but what are you going to say about it, you know? Right. Well, he denied anything. He said, you guys are reading way too much into this. He yeah. said, it's just a simple vampire story. I don't believe it. You know, <laughs> I think he's a, he's a true artist, and a true artist never really tells you, never explains his art, his or her art. They just, they just let you read into it whatever you want. But whenever he was interviewed about it, he always denied it. He just said, no, there's nothing like that in it. <laughs> well, he so. probably just didn't want to... He probably just didn't want to sway the argument because I know he's written many other stories that have messages and stuff. You know? Of course, of course. <laughs> I mean, he's, you know, he's a prolific writer and, and an excellent one at that. So, you know, give him credit for denying it. Yeah. You know. Anyway, this uh, this topic on vampires who act like zombies, uh, we'll come back to this because we are going to talk about zombies in future episodes. Uh, but for now, I think we're going to stick with vampires. We have a few more types of vampires we want to get into, especially going into the 70s and then into the 80s and then up to present time. So we're going to stick with this theme uh, because there's a lot to say about vampires. <laughs> if you like this podcast, please subscribe. Leave us five stars and a review. Thanks. Thanks.